Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Remembering is so important. As we meditate on God's Word and bring to mind His past faithfulness in our lives, our faith is built up because we see that we have a God that loves us, is for us, and gave us everything we need in Jesus Christ. part one of Cheryl's message titled, Remember. Remembering is so important. Now I'm going to tell you something. I I am a forgetter. I'm just a forgetter. I hate it though. I hate that side of me that forgets, that forgets names. Oh my goodness. I mean, I'm the person that's always trying to look at the name tag only to see the schedule for the retreat. It's like, no. I, I hate forgetting appointments. I hate forgetting birthdays. I hate forgetting the time, the date, what I'm supposed to be doing. No, I don't have Alzheimer's. I hate forgetting where I put the car keys, okay? I hate forgetting to lock the doors or to close the garage. I can't even tell you how many times my neighbors have come to my house going, did you know your garage was open all night? And that's always when Brian's gone because he always makes sure that the garage is closed. Now that's all on me. I hate it when I forget that I did a load of washing and I remember three days later, just just enough time to let them incubate and stink. I hate it when I forget to check the pockets for Kleenex and other things before I wash the clothes. Have you ever done that? Or for cell phones, that happened once. Because I hate it when I forget where I put my cell phone. For that matter, I hate it when I forget to charge my cell phone. And it's sitting dead in the bottom of my purse, doing me no good. But then also I forget where I put my phone charger. And I forget everyone's phone number because it's all on my phone. So then when my phone is dead at the bottom of my purse, I can get in touch with nobody but the answering machine at my house. I hate it when I go to the market and I forget my list. I hate it when I'm at the market and I forget to buy what I was supposed to buy and the reason I went to the market in the first place. I hate it when I forget my way. I forget the directions. I forget what something looks like. I forget the ingredients in a recipe or a step in the recipe, like whoops. I forgot they weren't all supposed to be dumped in the pot at once. Forgetting is not only annoying and frustrating, but it can be problematic. For instance, when you forget an appointment, you often have to pay a fine. You annoy people. And when you finally show up the office, it's kind of like, mm-hmm, didn't care about us or value us 
or our time or that we were here waiting for her and other patients could have been here. You can even get a reputation for being irresponsible when you forget. And it's so embarrassing just to show up at the next appointment because you know they know. Or the extra cleanup that you have to do because you forgot that that bag had a hole in it. I'll never forget the Christmas Eve. It was the first Christmas without my dad. And I was making my grandmother's famous yet incredibly complicated cinnamon rolls. And my concentration was on the cinnamon rolls and on Christmas and presents. And I had a vacuum going around my house. One of those, it was one of those knockoff rumbas, you know, the ones that are like $30 instead of 400. And I had the mixer going, creaming the butter and the sugar together. And I turned on the water to wash my dishes. And somehow during all that mayhem, I decided to go upstairs and blow dry my hair, not realizing that I had left the water running. And I came back downstairs and it was like that little knockoff rumba was like pushing bubbles all over my wooden floor that I had just gotten that summer. And it was like two inches deep. And I was thinking, at first it was like, what is going on here? Why is that rumba doing that with the bubbles? And then all of a sudden I realized the water was like, just like flooding. It looked like a tsunami in my sink, just coming over the edge. Ran over, turned it off, got every towel I owned, every beach towel, every towel. And I'm mopping it up and everything's drenched. I'm taking them out to the backyard and there's still water. I called Brian. I'm crying, of course. He brings a whole band of men from the church and they've got these fans and they're pulling up floorboards. It did. It it ruined. It absolutely ruined the kitchen floor, but that's okay. I have a friend named Brian Overholt and he replaced it. But I mean, it's just so maddening and so frustrating to forget. And who else is to blame? I couldn't blame anyone else. It was all on me. Brian wasn't even in the house. I didn't even own a dog. There was just nobody else to blame. However, beyond the annoyance and frustration of forgetting, there's also a danger of forgetting. Forgetting what you're doing can cause injury, like forgetting that you're driving, right? That's why they say, you know, remember, you're driving. If you feel sleepy, pull over. In England, if you go there, it's very um, important that you remember which side to look first and which side you're supposed to drive on. It's dangerous to forget that you left a candle burning or you left the gas on in the kitchen under um, a pot. It's dangerous to forget that your car engine is running. There have been women who are talking on their cell phone who closed their garage and have gotten carbon dioxide poisoning because they forgot that their car is still running. There's a danger in leaving your house unlocked, forgetting to lock the doors now. But there's an even worse danger when men forget God. Because this lapse can have eternal ramifications. When Israel forgot God, and I'm just going to go through really quickly some of the consequences In Judges 3-7, they served 
um, Judges 3, 7, they served Baals and fell prey to the oppression from surrounding nations. In 1 Samuel 12, 9, they were sold into the hands of hostile and ungodly nations. Psalm 78, because they forgot, they sinned, they rebelled, they tested the Lord, and they lost faith. In Psalm 106, because they forgot the Lord, they didn't wait for his counsel, and they were destroyed. In Jeremiah 3.21, because they forgot the Lord, they perverted their ways. In Jeremiah 13.25, they trusted in falsehood and believed lies. In Jeremiah 18.15, they burned incense to idols and stumbled in their ways. Jeremiah 50, verse 6, they lost their way and couldn't find a resting place. No peace because they forgot God. Ezekiel 22 verse 12, they took bribes and practiced extortion. Ezekiel 23, 25, they bore the penalty of their sins. Hosea 2, 13, they went after other lovers. And Hosea 13, 6, they were destroyed. I just chose some of the highlights. There are over 60 verses that talked about the dire consequences of when Israel forgot God. You see, God knows the danger to all of us when we forget. We lose faith. We become overwhelmed by our circumstances. We lose purpose. We lose resolve. We lose our way. And even as we were singing, we lose our identity. We forget who we are in Christ when we forget. But remembering can be so uplifting. It could be so joyous, like, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. I remember when the Lord did that. And it can cause us to respond so differently when we simply remember. We think, wow, I've been through stuff so much worse than this. And God got me through. This is nothing compared to that. When I remember my granddaughter's heart surgery of five days old, I see her little scar and she's just such a little miracle. When I look at my own children and how God by his grace brought them to himself, remembering can be so uplifting. I was on the computer the other day and I somehow went to iCloud and it had put all my pictures, it had categorized them and put them in these little movies. It was kind of cool because it was to music and it was like the story of Cheryl's life. And as I was watching it, I was so much younger, but I was seeing God's faithfulness. And Brian and I were like, oh, remember when we were there? Because a lot of pictures were of us together on these different trips that we had taken and just God's absolute goodness, preservation and power. And it was so uplifting. You know, I was looking at him I'm like, Brian, come here, look at this. There are movies. iCloud is being so nice to me right now. Is it any wonder that the Bible exhorts us over a hundred times to remember and not forget. It actually says, remember and do not forget. In order to remember, I don't know about you, but I need reminders. 
Somebody will say, okay, we're going to do this next week. I go, would you mind sending me a text like just an hour before we're supposed to do this? Because I just, I'm thinking in so many directions at once that, like I said, I'm a forgetter. So I need timers because I'll forget that I put something in the oven or something on the barbecue. Just about, I think it was eight months ago, I posted this this post on Instagram when I was barbecuing these skewers of chicken. And I thought it was so hilarious because when when you saw it, it looked like it was just like these little shriveled blackened things because I remembered like three hours after I put them on there, after the company had left that I was making the skewers for, I remembered the skewers. And it was, I just took a picture because I thought it was so hilarious. And you know what was so sweet? My friends on Instagram posted things like, no, she really is a good cook. You know, I've had her chicken before. She doesn't always burn it. I just thought, oh, my precious friends, they remember. I need alarms. Do you have to set alarm clocks? Do you need that to wake up? Or do you have to set timers even for yourself of, um, again, I need to go this at this time and I've got this much time to read? Phone calls reminding us of our pending appointments. Aren't you thankful for those? Post-it notes. May they never go out of style. You know, here's the thing. I buy post-it notes because I need them and then I forget where I put them. Or memorials. Sometimes I make my own memorials. Everything that I need to take and put in the car and take with me for the day, I put right in front of that door. Like, you can't leave that door unless you take those things out. In fact, nobody's leaving this house until you remember those things. But then I take another door. When we remember, we are able to respond appropriately. But when we forget, we respond according to wrong information because we have forgotten all the criteria. If you forget how to get somewhere, you will take the wrong turn. And I don't know about you, but like, I'm always trying to remember, okay, on this street, especially MacArthur, which lane do I need to be in to get on the freeway? And that's probably why they posted that big sign for me, like be in this lane. And that's the one thing about GPS. Tell me what lane I need to be in to get on the freeway or if you're in Santa Barbara, off the freeway. We also need to remember so we can resolve, make the right resolve, not only our response, but then our determination, what we will do. See, response is just kind of a natural reaction. But a resolve is a place that we establish ourselves in. Joshua recognized this. And in Joshua chapter 24, because Joshua knew that the time of his death was so near, he gathered again the nation of Israel to Shechem, to a place of memorial, a place where Abraham built the very first altar to the Lord. Their great, 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 great grandfather had been in this place, built an altar to the Lord, and it was at this place that God told Abraham, this land is yours and to your descendants. There Joshua reminds them first of their origin or their lineage 
verses three through four, he reminds them that they did not come from nobility, but God called their great-great-grandfather. He was not perfect. He was called out from a family of idolaters. Their roots came from the other side of the Euphrates. They didn't deserve by lineage all that God had given them. You know, this became problematic for Israel because they often thought their rights were because of who they were related to, that that's why we have rights. And John the Baptist called him out on this. And he says, don't say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. So we're just totally covered. We're okay. He said, because God is able to raise up from these very rocks, children to Abraham. So he reminds them, it was God moving in Abraham. It was God making the promises to Abraham. Abraham was an old man with a beautiful wife and a tent. That's it. But God blessed him. God chose him. God gave him promises and descendants and the land of Israel to possess. It was all God for Abraham just like it would need to be all God for them. God made them a nation in Egypt after Jacob and the patriarchs returned there. Joshua reminded the assembly of their deliverance from Egypt by God, verses five through seven. For their sake, God had plagued Egypt. God had brought them out with a mighty deliverance, putting darkness between the Egyptians and Israel so that the Egyptians could not touch them. That cloud that covered Israel came down and stood between the two so the Egyptians were not able to touch or get through to the Israelites. And to the Egyptians, it was darkness and obscurity. And to Israel, it was light. When the Israelites were incapable of becoming a nation or saving themselves, God intervened and brought them through the Red Sea on dry ground. And he drowned the Egyptians, their chariots, their army, and their horses in the sea. Joshua then reminds them of how God sustained them through the wilderness, verse 7. He tells them, you dwelt in the wilderness a really long time, 40 years. And they need to be reminded of this. Remember the wilderness. Remember there was a deliverance. Remember there was bondage. Because now they've been in the land 30 years. They've established their habits, their routines, their lifestyle. And when you move to a certain place, you tend to forget the past and all you've come through to get here. You know, I was, I was born at Santa Ana Community Hospital. For the most part of my life, I lived in Costa Mesa, California. Then when I got married, oh, college, forget college. But after college, um, moving back, then moving down to Vista with Brian. We lived there for 13 years. Then we moved to England. And, you know, when I was in England, I felt like I lived in England all my life. When I moved back from England back to Orange County, it's like I never left. I've always lived here. And when I go down to Vista, I get lost. 13 years. And I can't even find my way to my old house to show people where I used to live. It's crazy. And so 
They needed to be reminded because they had been in this place for 30 years. And you know, this saying, out of sight, out of mind. I don't know if that's true of you, but it is of moi. And I don't even speak French because I forgot it. But the years of wondering are forgotten amidst the duties of farming and life, towns and houses and enjoyment and joy. But God had brought them into this land of the Amorites who had formerly possessed this land. Joshua reminds them in verses 8 through 12 of how God gave them victory on the east side of the Jordan against the Amorites over the curses of Balaam. God refused to hear those curses. God turned Balaam's curses to blessings. God delivered them out of the hand of the Moabites who Balaam was working for. He reminds them of their victory over Jericho, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Come on. You say those things quickly. But this is it. God reminds them of their victory over their enemies, over the curses, and over the kingdoms, and over nature. Because he says, I drove some of these people out by the hornet, And it wasn't because of your sword or bow, but because of me and my intentions as God. Joshua then reminds them of all that God has given them. Verse 13, the land that they did not labor for, the cities they did not build, the vineyards and olive groves that they did not plant. After reminding the Israelites of God's good activity in their lives, he calls them to respond appropriately. Verses 14 through 15. You see, he first reminds them. Because without these reminders, they might have the wrong response. They might say, well, what will the gods of this land do for us? They need to remember who they are, their history, and all they have so that they will respond appropriately. It is much like Paul beseeching the Romans in Romans 12 verses 1 and 2, where he says, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God. He has spent chapters 1 all the way to 11, showing them the condemnation on the world and God's great mercy towards those who are in Christ Jesus and all that Christ has accomplished for them, and especially that apex of chapter 8, there is therefore no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And Paul says, therefore, remembering what I've been telling you, your reasonable response is to give yourself completely, unreservedly to God. This is the appropriate response Joshua also tells them that it's not only the appropriate response because of all God has done, but it's the appropriate response because of all God has promised. You see, settling in the land is not the end. And that's something else that we need to remember. That where we are is not the end. It's not the end. No matter what birthday you just had, it's not the end. It is just the beginning. God wants to establish us in the promises and then show others by our life 
This is what the promises look like because the world needs visuals. They're so used to visuals. Think about it. Everything is visualized now, isn't it? Whether it's on your computer, you know, whether it's a presentation, everyone's using visuals but me because I'm not computer literate enough to put animal faces up there. Besides that, if I did visuals, it'd probably just be all Barnabas, my dog, and that would be really sick. So God wants to use you as a visual. Once you get in the place, once you're in those promises, to show this is what God does to those who walk with Him. Joshua knew the importance of remembering God and keeping Him as the main focus. We see what happened to Israel when they forgot about God. They rebelled, fell into sin, tested the Lord, and became like the other nations in worshiping idols. These consequences have eternal ramifications. As we remember who God is and have Him in His rightful place, we avoid this danger and allow God to work in our lives, protecting us, providing for us, and allowing us to walk in all the promises He has for us. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll continue our study in remembering God as we continue our Possessing the Promises series in the book of Joshua with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.